0: To hear with my heart, to see with my soul, to be guided by a hand I cannot hold, to trust in a way that I cannot see, that's what faith must be. When the universe fell from his fingertips He decided he wanted some fellowship But the man and the woman would not submit So he made a better way When the moment was right, he sent his own son, and he opened the way so that everyone could have hope and believe that when time was done, he'd be able to make us one. To hear with my heart. To see with my soul, to be guided by a hand I cannot hold, to trust in a way that I cannot see, that's what faith must be. No, I understand that there is a key. It's Jesus in me, a reality that God is in Christ and that Christ's in me that with faith I see what is unseen. To hear with my heart, to see with my soul, to be guided by a hand I cannot hold, to trust in a way that I cannot see, that's what faith must be, that's what faith must be.
1: I'm of the firm opinion that California really needs to quit smoking. (laughs) For two years in a row, we have the largest fires in California. Last year it was uh, Santa Barbara. This year it's the Mendocino Complex. 300,000 acres. That's about 25 square miles. That's a lot of smoke. Bow your heads with me, would you? Father, I want to thank you for the privilege we have of coming to you. The privilege we have of being here. May we glorify your name today. Amen. So having finished Luke, and I was so pleased that Randy Waring got to put the bookends on Luke. Did you notice that? He opened Luke 1 and he closed Luke 24. Everything else was in the middle. As elders we said, okay, we need to have something else that we can go on because we're still in the search process. And by the way, we're still in the search process. Uh, There's that announcement out of the way. Um, Where do we go? Well, we thought Old Testament. All right, Old Testament. So at the top of the books that we wanted to do was Numbers. Fascinating book. Filled with inspiration. Second was 1 Chronicles. Wow, those names, I tell you. They'll get you every time. We thought about doing a biography, but then whose biography do we choose? There are a few short books in the Old Testament that we could do that are very simple. Ruth, Esther. Okay, those are done. And then we decided, well, but we really want something a little longer. So then we looked again at the biographies. So do we pick Abraham? Do we pick David? Hmm. But then came the job of having to divide that life sketch into sections for people to preach. And for some reason, Charlie Rollo did not want to do that. So we had to choose something else. And the elders in their brilliance actually thought of Hebrews 11. Why Hebrews 11? Well, as you know, Hebrews 11 is the Hall of Faith. It's a list of the heroes of the Old Testament. And we said, if we do Hebrews 11 as our theme, we can basically pick any story in the Bible and talk about how God's actions inspired their faith. And so throughout the next coming weeks, our speakers are going to be taking a glimpse into Different Bible heroes, Rahab, Ruth, Joseph, Enoch, Abraham, Sarah. And we're going to look at how does their faith, or how was their faith displayed? So in Hebrews 11, verses 1 and 2, we have this. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Now, archaeologists take fragments of pottery, papyrus, different items, and they piece them together. And from that, they construct beauty out of brokenness. At times, they have a few shards, and yet because of what they know and looking at things, they can reconstruct something that is amazing. Or they can discover, using all sorts of different radiographic methods, words on a piece of parchment or a papyrus that we can no longer see. The purpose of these Bible stories is to give us the ability to reconstruct to see the beauty in the brokenness, to rebuild from the shards of life. And the book of Hebrews provides this background. So in about two paragraphs, I'm going to give you an entire review on the book of Hebrews. Fasten your seatbelts. It was a new faith, a new church, It had been established now for decades. That really doesn't seem like a long time, but for them it was a long time. And the enthusiasm, the excitement, the passion they had for the return of Christ had begun to drift off a little bit. After all, they'd been waiting a long time and still no return. So they began to question, they began to wonder, is Christianity, is this new faith, really any better than anything else that's out there? Is this really the culmination of the Jewish faith? In comes the author of Hebrews who lets everyone know that Christianity was more than just a little movement. From the beginning, the author states that God in the past revealed Himself through the prophets, but now He has revealed Himself through His Son. Christ's supremacy is greater than that of any of the prophets in Scriptures. Jesus is the ultimate prophet. He is the ultimate high priest. He is truly God. And because He is the ultimate priest and He is truly God, when He forgives sins, it's done once and for all. This is because He was the ultimate high priest, the true God who served in the heavenly sanctuary, not made by man, not a model but the real deal now as a child we had models some we built little revell models we always i always seemed to put too much glue on didn't like that and the decals and the paint just didn't really hide it up very well i loved the hot wheels hot wheels were awesome the corvettes the Mustangs, the Thunderbirds. But they were just models. They weren't the real deal. All of the other priests, all of the other sacrifices looked forward to Jesus. Jesus was the ultimate high priest and the ultimate sacrifice. Everyone who lived before was looking forward to Jesus, but the simple reality is no one, no one understood completely what his mission was and that his mission was to die on the cross and be the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. Yet even though they didn't understand this, they still looked forward. And so we come to Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance for what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Now before he gets into listing a bunch of people which he does, he has this little section in Hebrews 11:3. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. A direct throwback to Genesis 1. In the beginning, what? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. From this little section we get our understanding of Creatio ex nihilo, a Latin phrase that means creation out of nothing. God formed everything out of nothing. Now, let's look at that for just a minute in regards to faith. I don't want that one, but I want to do it anyway. All right. First, I'm going to go with this one. Who are the heroes of the Bible? Anyone? What? This is a quiz. Don't be shy. Moses, thank you very much. How about this one? David. Next. Gideon. Thank you, Gideon. Gideon, the torches and the horns. Very good. Hmm. Esther. Esther, very good. She's listed in Hebrews 11. The widow of Zarephath, her son is about to die. She's got her little bottle of oil and flour and she's in a light of fire. Make the last cake and die. And finally, we have this one. I love this one. Where would church be without your local prostitute, Rahab? What? Yeah, Rahab, she's listed as one of the heroes. In fact, she's not only listed as one of the heroes, she is, in fact, listed in the lineage of Jesus. Hmm. All right. So we're going to be looking at all those people. On to this now. The cell theory. What in the world is a cell theory? We have some college students who've been studying biology. Don't we, Davis? Cell theory. The cell theory is one of the major tenets of evolution. It says three things. First, all living organisms are made of cells. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Number two, cells are the basic unit of life. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Number three, cells arise from pre existing cells. And number four, Hereditary information is passed from cell to cell. Five, all cells have the basic chemical composition. That is the same. And six, energy flow occurs within cells. What I want to focus on is number three. Cells arise from pre-existing cells. That means the only way I can get new cells is from what? An existing cell. But wait! The theory of evolution says that cells miraculously and spontaneously evolved. And yet, the theory of evolution and the cell theory says that cells can only arise from other cells. Hmm. That's a problem. That's a major problem. So. Charlie, can you grab my backpack from that back room? In the Bible, we're supposed to have faith. But what is faith, really? How do we know it's true? Who can prove Creation. Somebody? Anybody? No no takers there, huh? No proving creation. That's too bad. That's really too bad. But we have the answer to that here in Hebrews 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists. There is no way to prove the Bible. There is no way to prove creation. There is no way to prove anything. And Hebrews tells us that when we come to God, we have to believe that He exists. Now, I have left in the back room. Thank you, Charlie very finely done. A deck of cards. A deck of cards. Just a simple deck of cards. We're going to do a card trick here. We take a look at those cards. All of them. How would you describe those? Normal. Normal. Just normal deck of cards. Are they like this deck of cards? And notice they're different colors. Are they like this deck of cards? Are those, are the decks normal? What's the difference though between these two decks of cards?
0: They're in a different order.
1: They're in a different order. So, how would you describe that?
0: Uh, I don't know.
1: Completely in order from ace to two, ace to two, ace to two, ace to two. And how would you describe this deck? Just all messed up. All messed up, all shuffled up. So, here's the card trick that I want you to do. We're going to take this deck here. You're going to hold that. Have you ever shuffled cards? Probably not your good Adventist, unless you play Rook. Unless you play Rook. If you play Rook, you're fine. Okay. I want you to shuffle that deck of cards until it is identical to this deck of cards in complete numeric order by suit. We're going to be here a while, folks. What are the chances of that happening, you think? Very slim. Very slim. Let's talk about that, and I want to thank you. Give this young man, handsome young man, a round of applause. (laughs) Let's talk about that shuffling a deck in complete order real quickly. To give you an idea of the random chance and how many times you would have to shuffle a deck of cards from completely messed up to completely in order, you would have to shuffle that deck of cards 8 times 10 to the 67th power. Now, let's put that into perspective here to give you an idea. If we could shuffle a billion decks of cards... Every second. Are you right? In one day, we would shuffle 86.4 trillion decks of cards. Are you with me here? At this rate, it would take three times 10 to the 50 years to make that happen. Now in evolutionary theory, the world has existed about 1.5 times 10 to the 10th. It would take five times longer to randomly shuffle a deck of cards into complete order Then the evolutionary theory says our universe has been around. By the way, that's a long time. Let me put it another way. Still dealing with a deck of cards, which is fairly simple. It's only 52 cards, right? Four suits, 13 cards in each suit, 52 cards. Now. Let's say you take a deck of cards and you can shuffle just one deck of cards every second for an entire day. That means you're going to shuffle that deck of cards 86,400 times every single day. We start on the equator, face the right way here. We start on the equator, we shuffle for 24 hours, and after 24 hours, We walk one meter, and then we do it again. And we walk one meter, and we do it again. And we walk one meter. Now I've gone, what, four meters here? That represents four days, right? After 110,000 years, we will have walked around the earth. At that point, we're going to stop, take a cup of water, from the Pacific Ocean and empty it. And we're going to start over 24 hours, 24 hours. After another 110,000 years, we're going to take another cup of water from the Pacific Ocean and we're going to empty it. When the Pacific Ocean is now dry, (laughs) sorry, when the Pacific Ocean is now dry, we're going to take a piece of paper and put it on the ground. We're going to refill the Pacific Ocean and do it again. Are you with me here? It will take approximately 313 quadrillion years to empty the Pacific Ocean once. So every 313 quadrillion years, we get to put down a piece of paper. Once we have a stack of papers that reaches the moon, Are you with me here? (laughs) We throw all the paper away, we refill the Pacific, and we start again. Are you with me here? All right. Once we have taken that stack of papers to the moon, one billion times. This is how far along we will be to shuffling a deck of cards perfectly. Needless to say, it's relatively impossible to shuffle a deck of cards perfectly. So let's talk about something a little more complicated than a deck of cards. Oh, by the way, that 8 times 10 to the 67th number, that's this number right here. Something a little bit more complex than a deck of cards, the DNA. Stephen Hawking, anyone ever hear of Stephen Hawking? Brilliant man. He's authored one of the most purchased and least finished books in the world. It's called A Brief History of Time. Uh, many, many people buy it and then they start and I don't understand it they never finish. I haven't even bought it, so I'm, I'm actually feeling pretty good about that. He says this We do not know how DNA molecules first appeared. The chances against a DNA molecule arising by random fluctuations are very small. I think this is probably the understatement of all time. What does very small mean? He goes on to say, though, that maybe... Maybe it happened. Maybe there was a simpler organizational form which built up into DNA. And then once DNA appeared, it would have been so successful it might have completely replaced other earlier forms. We don't know what these earlier forms would have been. One possibility is RNA. It is like DNA, but rather simpler and without the double helix structure. Short lengths of RNA could reproduce themselves like DNA and might eventually build up to a DNA. One cannot make nucleic acids from non living material alone, let alone RNA. And RNA is a simpler form of DNA. But, given 500 million years, and we were just talking in the trillions and trillions and trillions of years to shuffle a deck of cards, maybe in 500 million years, the oceans covering most of the earth, it is a reasonable probability of RNA being made by chance. Hmm. Wow. So, let's talk about that. What does he say? How does he say that? The fluctuations, um, randomly arising fluctuations are very small. Let's talk about that very small. Fred Hoyle, in his work Evolution from Space, says this, life cannot have been a random beginning. The trouble is that there are about 2,000 enzymes and the chances of obtaining them all in a random trial is only 1 times 10 to the 40,000. Not 67. Not this number. 40,000 zeros. And that's just the enzymes. What does 40,000 zeros look like? Right there. Those are eight and a half, by 11 sheets of paper with 1-inch margins, 11-point font, and that is 13-point, what? Three pages of zeros to make 10 times 10 to the 40 thousandths. And that's just developing the enzymes, not even making the DNA itself. ALL THIS IS CAPTURED IN A LITTLE VERSE IN HEBREWS THAT SAYS, BY FAITH WE UNDERSTAND THAT THE UNIVERSE WAS FORMED AT GOD'S COMMAND, AND SO THAT WHAT IS SEEN WAS NOT MADE OUT OF WHAT IS VISIBLE. WE MOVE ON, THE HEROES of the Old Testament. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. There's a list there in Hebrews 11. Abel and Cain, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob and Esau, Joseph, Joseph's sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, Moses' parents, Moses, Israel's journey to the Red Sea, Israel at Jericho, Rahab, Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, all the prophets. And then he goes on and includes people not named. Some of them we can figure out. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, all of the judges, who gained what is promised, who shut the mouths of lions. Who's that? Daniel. Quenched the fury of the flames. Who are those? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, the widow of Zarephath, raised to life again. Others were tortured, some jeered and flogged, and even chained and imprisoned. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world is not worthy of them. They wandered the deserts and the mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground." These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them had received what was promised. They were looking forward to Christ. We look back. What do we build our faith on? What you see here, I'm going to read the description. Papyrus 46. Papyrus 46 is one of the oldest New Testament manuscripts in Greek. It was written on papyrus, which is reeds that are beaten and laid flat, and then they wrote on them. Somewhere between 175 to 225 A.D., the manuscript is split into two collections. One is held in the Chester Beatty uh, Library in Dublin. The other resides in the University of Michigan collection. Papyrus 46 manuscripts contains most of the Pauline epistles, with some parts missing. What you are looking at here is a facsimile of a single piece of the collection, imported on Egyptian papyrus. The papyrus is aged to look period correct and sure to impress any collector. This piece comes in frame as shown, and for just $375, you can own this facsimile of P46. The question comes about from a faith standpoint. Do I want to base my faith on a facsimile? Huh. Probably not. Here's a piece of the real deal. It contains the last eight chapters of Romans, all of Hebrews, virtually all of 1st and 2nd Corinthians, all of Ephesians, Galatians, Philippians, Colossians, and two chapters from 1st Thessalonians. Although, as you can see down at the bottom, some of the area has been lost due to deterioration. The oldest document we have in Greek of the New Testament now remember, archaeologists take fragments of pottery and papyrus. They reconstruct beauty out of brokenness. That is the purpose of the Bible stories. To give us the ability to reconstruct and see beauty and reconstruct from the shards of life. Belief is like that. Faith is fills in the gaps the missing pieces to help us reconstruct our lives belief allows us to rebuild from brokenness those heroes from Hebrews that we're gonna be looking at in the coming weeks how did they do that how were they able to hang on when it seemed hopeless they may have been bent by the storms of life but they did not break now, in the midst of easy times, when everything is going great, pff, faith is a piece of, piece of cake. It's a cakewalk. It's very simple to believe in God when everything's going right. But when everything stands on its head, what do you do? So what do we place our faith in? Do we place our faith in our abilities? do we place our faith in the redemption that Jesus brings, which is free and unearned? So real simply, what accomplishments can we stand before God on? Our diet? Hmm. How about the fact that I don't wear jewelry? Well, or any jewelry that touches my skin right? Because that would be bad. If the jewelry is attached to a woman's dress like a brooch, oh my, that's fine. So we have said in the past. And men, what about male jewelry? Notice, I am without the traditional male jewelry today. I'm not wearing a tie. What use does a tie serve? And of course, We can adorn the tie with a tie tack, or a tie bar, or a tie clip, or a tie hanger. So when we drink, we don't get the tie in the fountain. Hmm. Oh, did I mention cufflinks? Cufflinks are very good. Is that what I stand before God on? What about the adornment of church attendance? Uh Uh-oh. Wait a minute now. What about the adornment that my doctrine's better than your doctrine? What about the adornment of the Sabbath? Or the state of the dead? Or the sanctuary? Hmm. You see, we need to understand that if we are relying on any of this, it is outward adornment, and it is completely useless. Here's the deal. We don't have to be perfect for God because God is perfect for us. Now, don't get me wrong, although I am certain that someone will, the belief system of the Seventh-day Adventist church is amazing. The concept of the great controversy provides us with a framework of understanding sin, why people suffer, hurting, why death take place. The controversy, the great controversy, provides us for a framework of the hope that we have. It is that framework of understanding which helps me get up every morning. It is that framework that helps me understand that when I hurt or my family hurt or anyone else's family hurts, the devil laughs with glee and thinks he has poked God in the eye and made God cry. The simple reality is that even the understanding of the great controversy and all of those wonderful things will not save me. Faith in the works of Jesus on the cross, faith in the work and glory of an empty tomb, faith in His power to save, faith in His power to forgive, and faith in His power to change is what makes the difference. As we look back at the cross, and the empty tomb, we also look forward to the glorious return. The truth is, what we want is our faith to be comfortable, convenient. If I were to pick some hymns for this generation, for our generation, for myself, the hymn titles would be, Be Thou My Hobby. Or, I surrender some. Take my life and let me be. (laughs) Or how about this one? Spirit of the living God, fall somewhere near me. Our faith is supposed to rely on Christ. Our faith is supposed to rely on each other because without the church body, without the strength that we can gain together by praying for and working with each other, what do we got? But I'm going to disappoint you. I guarantee it. I disappoint my family. Sunday, we were out working in the yard. I came in all hot and sweaty, sat down, grabbed the computer, started goofing off, watching YouTube fail videos. It's a weakness, I know. I like watching fail videos. Monica says, "Hey Brian, I'm gonna take a shower, and uh, uh, I want to come down and help me uh, make the bed after bit? Sure. Two hours later, she comes out and said, "At, at what point were you gonna come down and help make the bed?" oh, 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 no, already done, thank you. I disappoint my wife. I'm going to disappoint you. So here's a simple reality. As we look at faith, as we look at the heroes of old, we have to look at Hebrews 12. Paul Paul, or the author of Hebrews, says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, he's just gone through this list of names of these Bible heroes. Since we have all of them shining on us, showing what it means to have faith in God, let us throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And here's the key, folks. Here's the key to my disappointing you. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. The stories of the Old Testament are there to point us to one spot, so that we can fix our eyes on Jesus. Father, we thank You for Your incredible love that we can come to You through faith and only through faith. Nothing we do can make a difference. May we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Amen.